Can I tell you what I find in God? I find strength. You see, in God, I find hope. In God, I find boasting and praise. And you know what else I find? I find rejoicing and rest. Why? Because in God, I put my trust. Because it's in God that I find my deliverance. And so it's in God that every single day I can rejoice and rest in joy. Because in God, I have faith that I can overcome everything that would come against me. Is there anybody else living in that place called in God this morning? You see, whoever lives in love lives in God. Whoever lives in joy lives in God. Whoever lives in peace lives in God. You say, well, pastor, what happens when I don't feel like love and joy and peace? You can still find it in God. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We're going to talk about some of this stuff this morning because we have been uh, walking down this, this road of getting closer to God, growing closer to God. And today I've titled the sermon, Getting to Know That God as the God we know. Getting to know God as the God we know. You say, well, that's kind of, you know, isn't that kind of a play on words? No, there's a lot of people that don't know the God of this Bible. Oh, they know a God, or as the Galatian uh, writer Paul wrote to the church of Galatia, they know God, or rather are known of God. But the reality is God wants a personal intimate relationship with you. Now listen to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rain on somebody's parade right now, and I don't mean to do that at the very beginning, but I'm going to. God wants to be your friend, but he probably won't be your buddy. Come on, I hear you shouting out there. It's a tough call. Okay, we sit back, and, and I, I know a lot of Christendom they want God to be our buddy. Well, hey, he's, he's my bud. Well, yeah, semantically speaking, you could say that. But the you know, thing about a friend, I have great friends in this church. And you know what? When I get out of line, a friend can speak to me and say, hey, dude, you're out of line. But a buddy, when he tries to tell me, hey, dude, you're out of line. Oh, I'll just slug him in the shoulder and say, yeah, I got it. Oh, yeah, sure. We make light of it. But that's not the friend that God wants to be. He wants you to know him as the God that this Bible says he is. And that is one that sticks closer than a brother. So 
I, I want to begin this morning in prayer. I want to take a moment as we get into uh, our, our word for the day and uh, just believe God to anoint this humble servant. Because folks, can I tell you something? What I say matters little. What he says is life-changing and altering. I can bring you information, but he can bring you transformation. And that's the fact that has to happen. Now, his word tells me in Isaiah 55 that it will not come back void, but will accomplish what he sent it to do. Okay? And so that's what we want to do this morning in, uh, in our prayer. Let's ask God to anoint his servant. Let's ask God to break the yoke that might be holding you back. Maybe it's a bad mood. Maybe I don't mean to make light of it. I'm not trying to make light of it. But the fact is, is we do allow things to bother us way too much. Okay? Life is life. We got to get on with life. Okay. I can hear you out there. I can hear you out there. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, right through this camera, right through the people that are in this sanctuary today, and God, those that are going to fill the halls of this building next week, Father, we thank you, Lord, that we know it's not by might, it's not by power, it is by your Spirit. And Lord, you said there is no distance in your hand. God, it's not shortened that you can't save. Lord, that, that word salvation literally means to redeem, to set free, to lift up. And Father, today, there's all of those that need to be done, set free and redeemed and lifted up. God, use your servant. Let your word come forth out of me, God, that you have placed in me, God, to speak in the way that would bring glory to you. And God, would be transformation to lives because of your word. God, this morning, we thank you for it. And we give all honor and glory to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I, I, uh, I, uh, I want to thank Pastor Ray and, and Dan Hute, who over the last couple weeks uh, shared God's word. And I might add, did an incredible job. My wife and I were across the country and we were, folks, we might not have been in church, but we were in church. We were online just like many of you are today. And we were watching, and we were, we were amening out there, and we were just excited about, about being there. You know, the, the, the neat thing about the internet, the neat thing, I, I don't have very many good things to say about it, <laughs> but the neat thing about it is right where you are, you can be in church. And the difference between, you know, because I'm not a believer of people becoming a part of an online church or a television church or, a, or, or some kind of ministry... I'm a believer that you need to be part of the personal church, the intimate church, to where you can actually come in and touch and feel and be part of a local body. Well, the nice thing about what we're doing, even though the church uh, is, is shut down to a degree, the church has left the building, okay, you are still part of the local body. Why? Some of you can still pick up the phone and call me. You actually have a pastor. I tell people all the time, well, I'm a part of, of a, a ABC church, you know, it's, it's out of Philadelphia. I said, have you ever tried to call that pastor at two o'clock in the morning when you got a problem? 
Well, no. You think he'd answer? No. But he'd have a whole bank of people to call. Okay. But wouldn't you rather have a personal relationship? And so that's the thing about being part of a personal body. I'd love to, when my arm's hurting, I'd love to send it off someplace and get it repaired, but it ain't going nowhere. It's part of the personal body. So I have to come to the personal body to get it repaired. Am I making any sense today? So I was, I was excited about being a part of church last week with, with Dan and, and as he uh, brought some very uh, encouraging words and some strengthening words, and then with Pastor Ray as he shared, and uh, just all the different things that we are part of, okay? But beyond today, I am stoked. Exactly one week from this morning, the doors are opening, and we're able to come back together in the house of God. I, 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 yeah, I am, I, yeah. Uh, did I say I was stoked? Did I tell you I was excited? To be able to sit and see faces. I mean, there's a, there's a, 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 a group of people in here. We're, we're staying in the distancing thing. Now, I know some of you are biting at the bit. Well, folks, they only kind of gave the green light last Sunday. And we're not doing it this Sunday, but we're right on board next Sunday. So uh, we're going to be here. And I, and I think, man... So apropos to come into the Father's house on Father's Day. What a better first day to be back in it. Come on, somebody get excited in God's house. And so, uh, you know, come now. There's going to be differences, okay? Uh, right now, we've got about a third of the chairs set up in the church. We're trying to stay with this whole social distancing thing. And you say, well, pastor, that's, that's a bunch of... Of, of, of malarkey. Well, you can tell, you can tell that to, to Dylan over here, one of our incredible bass player. How many family members? I don't want you to name them, but he's lost several family members to this disease. You can say that to the other people that have lost lots of family. Loretta over here and, and just lots of friends. I've had a lot of people ask me about the pens that I wear. And this pen, of course, is, is the United States and Israel. We are firm supporters of the nation of Israel. Okay? It has always been Israel. You can put any other name that you want to on it, but it has always been Israel. Okay? And it's going to always be. It is the land that God set. Matter of fact, when Jesus comes to rule and reign on the earth, the nation of Israel is going to be a whole lot bigger because God said it was a lot bigger than it actually is today. And you just want to, well, where does it say that? Uh, in the Bible. So, uh, just, uh, we support Israel. This other pen that I wear, I got from Vice President uh, Lizer. It is showing our support for the Navajo Nation. We, you know, we have some dear friends, a stone's throw away, that are dealing with stuff worse than any place in the continental United States. And we're praying for them. And we're believing God for them. Uh, I get emails uh, literally on a daily basis of what's going on and what's happening. And, and folks, we're believing God to turn the tide. But we need to pray for our brothers and sisters of the Navajo Nation. I, I tell you what, I thought my shoes were tough. I would not be President Jonathan or Vice President... Um, um, how come I can't remember? <laughs> Lizer. 
Anyway, the train leaves the station too many times. It's just what it is. So we want to continue to pray. God's word this morning, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We've been talking about getting closer to God. And one of the things that that was interesting at the beginning of this year, I put the series together that we do all year long. You say, well, preacher, how do you know what God wants to do in May? Duh, he's God. He knows what he wants to do in May. So I'm going to, okay. And so we put the series and in January, there was no virus. Well, at least it wasn't out, all that kind of stuff. We started this series right at the quarantine. And what is a better time of getting closer to God? When you get time to get closer to God, you, you spend time at home, you can take time. And so in doing this series, you know, the whole of it is saying, God, you want me to know you. I want to know you. And so God just said, okay, preacher, give them some simple ABCs of how to do it. So hopefully this has been a good series. I, I've talked about regularly since we began this series about the the secular worldview and the christian worldview of god and to say the least they are drastically different now now let me tell you something one of the places where they kind of come together is when things go bad the worldview of god is always tainted but sadly the christian view of god starts getting tainted when things don't go the way we think they should I, I don't know about you folks, but if I had my way, it would always be peaches and cream. It was all, actually, it'd always be bunny tracks. That's an ice cream for you that don't know. Okay. But it doesn't always go the way I want it to go. It doesn't always happen the way I want it to happen. And when things go bad, let's, let's be a place of true confessions. How many of you that call yourself Christian start wondering, God, where are you? There are many that sometime, that somehow feel, and I'm talking to Christian now, that somehow feel that they can't even please God, that they can never fully, and that God at a moment's notice will disown you. Well, if I do nothing else today, I want to share with you ability to see God in a brand new way, a fresh way. I want you to get to know God as the God we know, as the God this Bible talks about. People say, well, is the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, they're different gods. Nope, same God. Same God. He did the same things in the Old Testament that he's doing in the New. Oh, a little different in the presentation, but the same stuff. God still calls sin, sin. Now I know the church doesn't always do that. And we don't like to try to get up there and, and to, to, to call the kettle black, if you will. But the reality this morning is sin is still sin. And God deals with sin in Genesis the same thing way that he deals with sin in Revelation. It's going to be the same across the board. And his love is the same. Why didn't God just wipe Adam and Eve out? No. He said, okay, guys, you want to do it your way? It's not as easy as doing it my way. So now I'm going to put you out of the garden, and you're going to have to fend for yourself. Oh, I'm still going to be there, 
but you're going to have to plow the ground. You're going to have to produce out of the ground on your own. You're going to have to do things differently than what I wanted to do things. When Jesus returns, it'll be back to the way he wanted to do things. And you know who's going to be the recipients? Us. All of those that call upon the name of the Lord, can somebody say amen? You see, God really loves us. And he wants us to fully understand that the love he has and gives literally has no strings attached. Folks, if you don't want to live for God, you don't have to. Unlike some religions, if you don't want to live for their God, they'll kill you. No, God says you don't want to live for him. That's fine. That's your choice. If you don't want to go to heaven, you don't have to. My goodness, why would God make anybody go someplace they want to go? Well, but God's sending people to hell. No, no. God is giving you your choice. Okay, I'll step out on this one. They didn't, you didn't like that one, did you? No. Think about it for a second. It's not God rejecting us. It's us rejecting Him. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve accepted the lie, what did they ultimately do? Reject the truth. And God wants us to realize He has nothing but the best, ready, willing, able to give everything unconditionally. That's His love. You say, well, what if, what if I mess up? And what if God's still going to be there to love you? He's just going to say, return to me so I can return to you. He's not marking it up or sitting like, you know, some giant fly swatter waiting to. Or a magnifying glass, crispy critter, you know? No, God's not doing that. God is ready with arms open wide and come. You say, well, pastor, can you give me one scripture that proves that? The prodigal son. He said, Father, I want what is mine. And, okay, here you go. He went and squandered it all. And when he had nothing, I like to put it this way. He found himself in the hog trough of life. He said, man, even those that are just the servants have better than me. I'll go to my father's house and, and I'll say, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired hands. Make me like one of your servants. But what happened? Here's the picture of God the Father watching and waiting. Oh, he didn't run after him. He was watching and waiting for his return. And when he returned, <laughs> daddy ran after him. Put on the best ring. Put on the best robe and threw the party. Why? Because he said, he that was blind can now see. He that was lost is now found. He that was dead in his sins is now alive in me. Come on. This is the love that God has for us. No strings attached. You can walk away anytime you want to. Well, can I walk away and do my own thing and still get heaven? No, sorry. Doesn't work that way. You walk away, you walk away. You come back, it'll be here waiting for you. I, I 
love the story. And I've shared the story uh, many, many times over the years. I've shared it, shared it here at Victoria's Live a few times about, about this old dog. There was an ad put in the paper about these, these owners just love their dog. They loved their dog, and, and they put a big ad in the paper because the dog was lost. And they, the big sign said, lost. One dog. Brown hair, several bald spots. Right leg was broken due to an auto accident, and his rear left hip is hurt. His right eye is missing and left ear bitten off because of a dog fight. And he answers to the name Lucky. Wow. How many of us feel like Lucky? We have been through the mill. And you know what? We come back all broken up, all messed up, all beaten up. And you know what? The Father says, come on home. I'm here to lift you up. That's the God we serve. Can somebody say amen? Let me share a statement that J.I. Packer uh, in one of his books wrote. He said, through setting his love on us, God has voluntarily bound up his own final happiness with ours. Did you know the Bible tells us there's no greater joy in heaven than that one sinner be saved? One that is lost be found Literally, Mr. Packer wrote in his book, he said, God will not know perfect and unmixed happiness again until every one of his children are home with him. Personally, home with him. Hebrews chapter 4, very familiar passage of scripture, one of my favorite in the Bible, reads like this starting with the 14th verse. It says, since we have a great high priest who has gone into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly the profession that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses or our trials or our temptations, but was likewise in every area tempted as we are, yet without sin. And because of that, it says we can come boldly. We can approach the throne of grace boldly to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Can I tell you something? Many of those areas that we find ourselves messed up in are because of the messy situations we put ourselves into. We live in a fallen world. It takes nothing to turn away from God. It takes nothing to have something that seems like greener grass on the other side. I've told people for years, you know, when you find that greener grass on the other side, you better look for a leaky cesspool. That's probably why it's greener. But how did this all happen? It happened in this way, a place called Gethsemane. Jesus is there and he leaves the disciples to pray, and he goes away, and he walks up to the Father in prayer. And he said, you know, Dad, if there's any other way. You say, well, preacher, why do you always call him Dad? Well, because the Bible says we can do that. He is Abba, Father. Abba, Father is the most endearing relationship of a child and his father. So Jesus walks up in prayer and says, you know, Father, if there's any other way, I would really like it. I've watched them nail him to a cross. 
I've watched them beat people. I've watched, and I know it's not going to be a fun journey. You got another way, Dad? Heaven's silent. Three times the Bible says he came. Why? The Father's unconditional love had to be fulfilled in the sacrifice to justify mankind. I, I did a teaching on one of our mornings with Pastor Tim a few weeks ago, and I broke, I broke down that word justify, because we use all these church, church words, and we really don't even understand them. And I, I, I found a way that, that I've heard before. It wasn't something I came up with, but it is, it, it is such a, a wonderful way to say it. What's justified mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. How's that for simple? See, I'm, I'm pretty simple. Yeah, so. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. It's like you've never done it before. You've never sinned. He washed the saint clean. Let's see what's the word of God said over in the book of Isaiah once again. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Mm. Man, that was worth the whole sermon right there. He said, if there any other way, and heaven was silent, until he said these words, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Three times he sought the Father, three times heaven was silent, and then after the commitment was made, the commitment, you see, I believe that at Gethsemane held the balance of eternity. He could have said no. He could, could you imagine Jesus, first time, nothing, second time, nothing, Third time he said, okay, Dad, I'm out. Let's start over. How many are glad he didn't do that? <laughs> he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then he had to go through the ultimate. And we heard the words declared in Mark 15 when he hung at Calvary. It's also in Matthew and in John where he hung there and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fulfilling the scripture of, of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Literally, what most Bible scholars believe is that at that point, he knew that the Father turned his back. Why, why do you say, preacher, would God do that? Because the Bible says God cannot look on sin. When he looks at you and me, you say, well, we're sinners. How's God look at us? Through the blood of Jesus. That's how he looks at us. When we're covered in the blood, that's how the Father uh, works with us. He deals with us. That's the way we overcome things. But at that point in time, the blood of Jesus was fallen for mankind. He was paying the price. He was becoming another one of those fancy words, the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice that word atonement, I love doing simple things, means to make at one with. Atonement, at one with. He, at that point, was making us at one with God again. The temple was torn to, and the Bible says that the Spirit of God no longer was bound behind the curtain, and it dwelled with mankind, which is where we get Isaiah once again, where he says, God with us, Emmanuel. Can somebody get excited? Why have you forsaken me? For you, for me. God had to turn his back on his son that he could open the door for mankind to pay the price 
to justify mankind. So what I want to do today, just for a few moments, is I want us to get to know the God as the one who delights in us. The God that delights in us. You know what the Bible tells us in the book of Zechariah? It says it's about a half a dozen different passages of Scripture. But Zechariah says, do you know whoever comes against you comes against the apple of God's eye? Do you know that this virus that's going around is coming against the apple of God's eye? And the Bible says God's got you safe in his hand. You say, well, pastor, why didn't God heal him? He did. He's home. Why didn't God do something? He did. He took him out of the pain, out of the discomfort. See, there's lots of ways that God does things, but God is still doing things. Can somebody say amen? You see, most of us spend our entire lives trying to find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Years ago, uh, before I got saved, I used to uh, sing in nightclubs. I used to play music, and and one of the favorite songs was by a guy named Johnny Lee. Maybe some of you, this will trigger your mind. It was called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Can I tell you how many Christians are looking for love in all the wrong places? They're looking for love in the church. They're looking for love in some kind of physical relationship, in some kind of program, in some kind of methodology. Folks, the love, acceptance, and forgiveness is only going to be found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because it's there where we are unconditionally accepted with no strings attached I want to tell you just for a moment about a place that you can go to that you don't have to prove yourself to be anything, that you were anything, or that you might become anything. It is a place where we can be whom we are without fear of who we once were or who we now aren't. And that place is called in God. I've got lots of scriptures, and we're going to load up the notes afterwards. We didn't get a chance to load them up beforehand, but uh, hopefully we'll load them up afterwards. One of the things about taking a couple weeks off, you have a couple weeks worth of catch-up to do when you get back. And so uh, uh, we're going to get those on there, but in there I've got a lot of scripture that talks about uh, many of these places that talk about in God. Can I tell you what I find in God? I find strength. You see, in God, I find hope. In God, I find boasting and praise. And you know what else I find? I find rejoicing and rest. Why? Because in God, I put my trust. Because it's in God that I find my deliverance. And so it's in God that every single day I can rejoice and rest in joy because in God I have faith that I can overcome everything that would come against me. Is there anybody else living in that place called in God this morning? You see, whoever lives in love lives in God. Whoever lives in joy lives in God. Whoever lives in peace lives in God. You say, well, pastor, what happens when I don't feel like love and joy and peace? You can still find it in God. 
(coughs) If all these things are true, which the scripture says they are, why do we spend our life trying to show people how spiritual we are? Why do we try to show people who we think they think we are? Why don't you just be who you are? You say, well, preacher, they wouldn't see Jesus if they know who I really are. Guess what? They don't see him already. Let them start seeing Jesus in you. And you know what will happen? You'll find yourself spending more time in God. See, when I live in God, Romans chapter 8 comes alive to me, which tells me these words, who shall separate me from God's love? Shall death? Shall life? Angels or demons? Present, future, power, height, depth? Nothing in creation can separate me from my life in God. I I go through, like you do, many things in life. But you know I have peace? Because I have myself in God while I'm in life. Life can either affect me or I can affect it. Well, I choose to affect it. That's what I choose to do. When my wife and I were gone on this trip, you know, one of the, the things that I always do is I look for opportunities to share the gospel to share the good news, to share the joy that I live my life in, the hope that I live my life in. And I was able to do that in various different places. I was able to lead people to the Lord. You say, well, preacher, how do you do that? I expect to. Well, you know, it doesn't just turn on a dime. That's right. I'm always on the dime. I'm always in God. And so every time I see anybody, anytime, they have the privilege of coming into God too. Because I'm going to tell them. Well, pastor, don't you have to ask for permission? I do. Well, how do you do it? Do you know Jesus? Well, it's not that easy. Okay, I'll use it easier. Do you go to church? Well, you know, that's a little hard. Okay, let's do the easiest one. Hey, do you want to not burn in hell? Okay, well, maybe that's a little straightforward. But, but see, I plan to do this. That's why I walk my life in God. Does that mean, preacher, you never have problems? You never have? No, I have them. But you know what I do is I firmly confess and profess the faith that I believe that though I'm tempted and go through things, I don't have to live in them or fall for them. I can stand up above them. Why? I can come boldly to the throne of grace as I can attain help to find grace to help in time of need according to Hebrews chapter 4. And this all happens because of what God did in Romans chapter 5. Even while I was still in my sin, Jesus died. Even when I was still messed up, he made a message. Even though I was still troubled, he found the triumph. Even still, I thought I was a victim. 
he showed me how to become a victor. Folks, there's lots of stuff happening in the world today. And I have to choose whether I'm going to know the God of this Bible or I'm going to reject the God of this Bible. And I'm choosing, I'm going to know him. And you say, well, preacher, how are you going to do that? By living in him. Even if I don't know the answer, I know the answer. And God takes me through it. We spend so much time. I hope I'm making a little bit of sense today. We spend so much time trying to prove ourselves to each other, seeking uh, acceptance when God just says, you don't have to prove your love to me. Just live for me. And in that, I will prove my love to you. That's what God wants to do. I'm going to spend some time in the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. Psalm 18, verse 9 and 19. It's on the screen. You know what the Bible tells me? He parted the heavens and came down. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He made a way where there was no way. Am I making any sense this morning? Come on, Hensley, I can hear you. The reality today, what he talks about literally when it says that he parted the heavens and came down, he brought me into a spacious place, he rescued me because he delighted in me, what it literally is saying, he stooped down to where we were to help us better understand where we were coming from. That we could know him, he stepped down to get to know us better. 2,000 years ago, you say, well, God knows everything. That's right. But he wanted us to know him in an intimate way. So God stepped out of eternity into time. He stepped out of heaven and came to earth and walked with us to teach us how to be like they were in the garden, to walk with us and in him. Most of us have dealt with children. And I use this analogy because this is so critical for the day and hour we live when we think God has separated us. And we're, we're, uh, it's tough to, to grab a hold of this, uh, of this untouchable being, which is not a truth. He is very touchable. In dealing with children, how many have ever had a child that, that uh, you just had to uh, grab a hold of to get a good understanding of? <coughs> and so most of the time when you did that, you know what you did? You, you, you stooped down. And you grabbed that little boy or that little girl, and you took their little cheeks, those little rosy cheeks. And you grabbed a hold of them. Not difficultly, but you just put their hand their face in your hands, and you looked them in the eye, and you let them know you understand where they're at. The first thing you did, you didn't want them to understand where you were. You wanted them to know you understand where they were. They were frustrated or what they were saying or what they were wanting. And so you stooped down to their place to help to get them to come to your place. Do you know what God did? Almost 4,000 years ago, 
The Bible tells us that there was a great battle going on. Joshua was fighting the battle of Ai. And he was running out of time. And he said, God, the sun's going to go down. This isn't good. We're doing well. But God, man, if you could just give me, you know, just a little bit more time. And you know what God did? God stooped down and met Joshua where he was. And the Bible says that he turned back the sun 10 degrees. Oh, God, God just made it happen. Can somebody say amen? For Hezekiah. God didn't move it back 10 degrees. He just held it still. See, God wants to meet us right where we're at. You say, you say Pastor, can God meet me where I am? He can meet you right here. If you will just be what we've talked about in this series, if you will stop complaining to God and start explaining where you are. You say, what's the difference? Lots of us like to complain to God. We call it prayer. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about explaining to God where you are. You say, well, God already knows where I'm at. Yep. But when you explain it to him, you'll begin to realize you know he knows. And that was the difference. When I go back to the Garden of Eden, when God came looking for Adam, and he said, Adam, where are you? Every one of us already know God knows where Adam's at. You understand what I'm saying? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think the reason God did that because he wanted Adam to know where he was at? That's exactly what it is. So when we're praying, we're explaining to God, God, this is where I am. And then God says, okay, let me come join you. Let me meet you right where you are. The second thing that I want to just really quick talk about is I want you to know that God understands you. God understands you. In our text, the Bible says that he has gone through every single thing that you will have ever or will ever go through. Tempted in every way. Yet he didn't sin. He didn't give in to it. You say, well, pastor, it's a lot easier for him. He is God. When he walked the earth, he was 100% man. He could have but through the strength of the Holy Spirit, the same strength that you and I have, he didn't give in to it. But he went through, tested of everything as we are to literally help us to understand. He knows what we're going through. He knows where we are. He knows how we got there. Once again, if I can go back to prayer, you know, when you're explaining to God what's going on, God will begin to wrap down to you. This is how you got there. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Buford's fault. Yeah, I know you want to blame your wife. You want to blame your husband. You don't want to, no, 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 no. Look in the mirror and, and let's pull a David here. I'm the man. I got myself there. He said, well, preacher, that means that I'm going to accept the responsibility. Ding, 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 ding. <coughs> now, prayer is giving you the ability to respond to that ability. Responsibility. The 103rd Psalm. 
I'm going to camp there for just a few moments in the rest of this sermon. You know why God wants to meet us where we're at? You know why Jesus stepped out of eternity into time? You know why he came to earth to help us know how to get to heaven? The 103rd Psalm, he says, and this is the reason why, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Now, I want to stop on that word fear for just a moment. You see it on the screen. We have so neutralized that word fear that we think we don't have to fear God. That we don't have to. It's not about being scared of God. Yet there is a fear. In the book of Acts, you know what the Bible says? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But sadly, Christianity today doesn't want to hold people accountable. Doesn't want to hold people... Well, if I just love them... I will love them back into the kingdom. Let me ask you about Judas. He had the best pastor. He had the best teacher. He had the best example. He had the best fill in the blank. And where did he wind up? You can love them as much as you want to until people become responsible for their life and their actions. They will never own the victory that God wants them to to have. So this word fear, what happens is we lose respect. We lose, we lose awe and reverence of God when he becomes a buddy. That wasn't in my notes. I need a pen so I can write that down. That just, thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> we, we do. And sadly, Christianity today has made God more like a buddy. Look what it says here. He has compassion on those who fear him. For he remembers we're weak. He remembers we're dust. I'm not talking about being afraid of him, but we understand that he is our all and all. Now let me in, in saying that, because I know I've shook a couple folks right there, and that's okay. That's one of my gifts. I got the gift of irritation. Okay? Somebody disagreed with me. I'm not sure if that was good or not. Look on, this, look, look on the screen. I put this on the screen for you. I think it's the next thing on the screen. There is nothing. There it is. Look at this. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more nothing you can stand in front of the mirror make yourself as pretty as you want blow dry that hair dude come on <laughs> this is one of those stories i always tell you know before i got saved i told you i was in the entertainment business and man i would spend literally 45 minutes an hour in front of the mirror getting my hair just right you know after i got saved i just did my hair two minutes and it looked just the same as it did when I spent 45 minutes. I wonder what the problem was, the mirror or me? I've got more agreements. This is, this is making me nervous. Look at this. There is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Do you mean if, if, I, if I go out and just live in the most vile, ungodly sin... Yeah, God's going to still love you. He can't do anything for you because you've got to make the choice. 
Once again, I go back to the prodigal son. The father didn't stop loving the son because the son decided to go live in the world. But the boy had to come to his senses. A fancy word for come to your senses, repent. One of those words that we don't like in the church anymore. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Why? His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, and complete. That was shown at Calvary, which is why if I'm going to show the love of God, I'm going to tell somebody, hey, dude, you messed up. What are you going to do about it? I'm not going to stroke him and, and just, oh, here, I understand. God understands. No, he doesn't. If we could get away with saying, well, God understands, why Jesus die? God did away with sin, didn't just cover it. And that's what we try to do in helping people. We just cover their faults. The light of God just shines on it and shows it. And they know it. See, this is where we're at. We want to get closer to God, but what we have to do to get closer to God is we have to know that God understands already who we are, what we've done, where we're at. And we're not hiding anything from Him. God just wants us to own it. Remember what he told the adulterous woman in John chapter 8? He said, I'm not here to condemn you. It's also recorded in John chapter 3, after the famous John 3.16. He said, I'm not here to condemn you. Just stop doing what you're doing. Go and sin no more. What's the fancy word for the phrase? Repent. Let me show you a picture of God's unconditional love. There was a man that was awakened in the middle of the night by a frantic phone call, and on the other end was a sobbing little girl, and, and she was gasping for air, so, so tormented, she barely got the words out, but they came, Daddy, I'm pregnant. He was groggy and stunned because the communication was in the middle of the night. But immediately, he starts communicating forgiveness and praying for her. Can I tell you something? When you mess up, God is there to lift you up. He's not there to knock you down. He's there to lift you up and say, come on, we can do this. <coughs> the next day, he and his wife sat down and wrote the daughter two letters. And mailed, her off, mailed the letters off full of uh, consoling and, and love about where she was and about what happened, but that they still love her. Three days later, the, the man and wife got a, another phone call. This time it was from a shocked daughter who were just didn't know what to think of the letters because she wasn't the one that called that night. It was somebody else's daughter. Listen to me. They got the phone number of the right father. Amen. Well, the letters weren't wasted. 
the father's words, the mother's words, I outline a few of them, were read to this little girl. Though we weep inside, we can't condemn you. For we too have sinned. And your transgression is no different, or no worse than ours, just different. It all comes from the same package of sin that you inherited us, that we inherited from the fall of man. And we're praying for you much, honey. We love you more than we can say. And we respect you for owning what happened. See, that's one of the tough things, is we don't want people to own their sin. But you can't overcome it until you own it. As long as you can excuse it by blaming, or you can't overcome it. Please, hear me today. As long as you can point the finger, as long as it's somebody else, and as long as they know they have somebody they can run to, that they don't have to own it, they'll continue to excuse it. And therefore, the enemy will continue to abuse them in the lie that everything's okay. You've got to own it. And the father concluded and said, in this letter they wrote to the right daughter in light of the wrong girl's phone call. Remember, God's love is in even this. Maybe especially in this. And this is the day of testing, but we must hold our ground. God will give us victory. We're looking forward to having you home. Love, mom and dad. You know why Jesus stepped out of eternity into time? That he could go through everything you would ever go through. That he could show you through me, in me, you can overcome all things. I want to make a very profound statement. One of the most amazing things that I know about God, that when we deserve it the least, He loves us the most. He created us, He knows us, and He still loves us. Now, I'm not saying that we should sin that grace might abound, but I am saying that it's not all about what we have done. We have to focus on what He has done. And when we know this, we can come to the place of Paul's understanding in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When I am weak, then I can be strong. I talked to you about staying into the 103rd Psalm. Let me take you back there. Psalm 103. Starting with the first verse, look what it says here. I'm reading out the, the, the Living Bible translation. It says, I bless the holy name of God with all my heart. Yes, I will bless the Lord and not forget all the glorious things that he has done and does for me. L listen to this. What has he done? He forgives me of all my sins. Somebody say that with me. All my sins. You know, this is kind of one of those tongue-in-cheek things. I did a, 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 a Hebrew word study of the word all. You know what it means? All. 
You got it. I, I heard you loud and clear. All my What has he done? He forgive me of all my sins. You know what else he's done? He heals me. You know what else he does? Oh, I love this one. He ransomed me from hell. <laughs> oh. And then you know what he does? He surrounds me with his loving kindness and his tender mercies, and he fills my life with all good things. Ephesians chapter 1, <coughs> verses uh, eight, or 7 through 8, and then uh, verse 11. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I'm reading out of Eugene Peterson's uh, message translation. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, his blood poured out at the altar of the cross, we are a free people. We are a free people, free of the penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. Let me go back to that word justified. How do you define justified in a simple way? Just as if I'd never sinned. He took away the penalties and the punishments, not barely setting me free, but making me abundantly free. I'm not free just from sin. I'm free to the point I don't ever have to sin. You see, he thought of everything, provided for everything that we could possibly need. And it's in Christ, in God, that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us and had a design for a glorious living for you and I. As I begin to wrap this up this morning, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Very simply, it's this. Get to know the God that loves us unconditionally. Get to know the God who loves us unconditionally. I, I love this passage in the 103rd Psalm. Look at verse 12. Oops. Verse 12. Should be up there. 103rd Psalm, verse 12. There it is. When you give your life to Christ, you know what he does? He takes our sins from us. He doesn't cover them. See, that's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant, the sins were covered by the blood. That's why there's blood sacrifices continually. And that's why once a year there was a goat that was uh, 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 splattered with blood and sent out into the wilderness. You know what the goat's name was? Scapegoat. It's the same thing we get. When we try to blame everybody else for us, they call it a scapegoat. No, no, no. God says, I'm taking your sins and I'm making the sacrifice and I'm sending it off as far as the east is from the west. Now, I love this analogy. I've shared it uh, with some of you before, but think about it for a second. If, I, if it was me, if it was you in our natural reasoning, I would say, man, as far as the north is from the south, because that seems like a foreboding distance far as the north is from the south. But what happens? If that was how far God took our sins from us, then there'd still be accountability. There'd still be responsibility. 
there would still be you and I having to pay something. Why? You go north from the South Pole, you can only go so far north before you start going what? South. So it would be limited. But God said no. And this is what, I, you know, God's pretty smart. You know, he said, as far as the east is from the west. So think about it. I don't have, a, I don't have something up here. But if I, well, I do have something. Can I borrow your guitar? You take this guitar. This guitar is a, a globe. You start right here. This is you. And God takes your sins. And he says, as far as the east is from the west. Okay, so you start going east around this guitar. And this is the globe. You start going east. What way are you going when you get back to where you started? If you don't go north or south, what are you doing? You're still going east. Well, let's go west. If you go all the way around this globe, as far as you can go, and you get back to the place you started, and you keep going west, which way are you going? As far as the east, they are unmeetable destinies. God said, as far as the east is from the west, he said, I have taken your sins. And another place says, he put them in the sea of forgetfulness. And it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I like to say this. And he put out a no fishing sign, said, leave them alone. The devil loves to remind us of our past. We need to get better reminding him of his future. There is no place in God's word that gives us a criterion on actions required to deserve his love. I was reading this morning and I, I put this scripture in our notes, this Lamentations, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And it's, you know, it, it is uh, literally one of my favorite books because what's lamentation? What's to lament means? It means to cry. It means to weep. It means to mourn. And folks, i got a lot of life to mourn for and to weep for and to cry for. But thank God when I give it to him, I don't have to. I can rejoice now. But that's what Jeremiah, as the writer of Lamentations, he's called the weeping prophet. Well, he has this passage in, in Lamentations 3, 21 through 25, and it's an incredible passage. But I, I always love to tell people, do you know what leads up to this passage? He is whining to God. Look, look, look at this. I'm going to take it to you, and I'm going to start here with the first verse of, of Lamentations 3. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction. By your hand, God. You think, do you think Jeremiah called himself to that job? God called Jeremiah to that job. Uh, folks, how many of you think that you would love to go spend three years out in the middle of town naked? Yet God called another prophet to do exactly that. To preach about how their sins are naked before God. And God uses literal descriptions. How many grateful God didn't call you to that ministry? Well, God called Jeremiah to that ministry. He said, you need to tell these people that they're treating me like some kind of prostitute. That they can go out whoring around. Can I say that in church? It's, it's in the Bible, folks. That you can go share yourself with me and the world. God said, I ain't sleeping in that bed. Nope, ain't me. 
You want to be my bride? It's going to be me and me alone. He said, look at this. God, you have caused this. You have driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. And then you go down here into the 20th verse and look what it says here. I well remember all of this, God. He's still whining. My soul is downcast within me. How many have ever been downcast? How many ever felt bad? You're thinking, God, I'm doing good. Why do I feel bad? Anybody besides me? Okay, good. I didn't want to make this sermon about me. I'm downcast. My soul, I'm weary. I'm frustrated. I'm filling the blank. God, why are you allowing this? And then look what he says. He said, God, even though I, I know this is what I'm going through in life, he said, yet this I recall to my mind. And because of this, I have hope. And look what this is. It's the Lord's mercies. It's because of his mercies that I'm not consumed. It's because his compassions, they fail not. It is because they are new every morning. It is because great is his faithfulness. And then it drops down here. And it says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And the Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul that seeks him. Jeremiah is talking about all this stuff he doesn't like in life. But he says, God, I know that you're the one that gets me through it all. I don't know what that does for you, but that helps me to realize that God is never going to let me go through what I can't handle. There's a story that actually was turned into a, a, uh, a uh, TV commercial a few years ago. And it's a, it's a wonderful story. I don't know that it's a true story or not, but uh, it's always been shared as a true story. And I, I think it's very apropos to this message today. You see, God knows the mess that we've made of life. Now listen to me. The mess that we've made of life. Yes, life is a mess. But we can be a message to life or we can be a part of the mess of life. We can be the solution or the problem. We have the strength to be the solution. But yet we want to blame something else which now makes us part of the problem. But God wants us to realize I still love you. I love you just like you are. I just love you too much to leave you that way. There was a mother that had a young child, and they, he thought he was some bit of a prodigy. And Of course, every mother thinks their child is the best, <clears throat> and rightfully so, they should. Well, this mother was teaching the little boy piano and, and uh, thought it would do him good to go to a, uh, a concerto, to go <coughs> see a great pianist to show what he could become. Well, she took her eight-year-old son to see uh, the great Pederoski because she thought the child would learn. 
and he had talent and, and the child might benefit from hearing the genius play. Well, because the mom wanted to really impact, she sat right up as close to the stage as she could buy the tickets. So she got there and she's sitting there with her young son and they're sitting there together. Well, all of a sudden the mom gets distracted. A friend she knows is sitting two seats back. So she turns around and starts uh, visiting with the friend, not knowing that the little boy has squirmed his way out of the seat and came up onto the platform to sit behind this grand, grand piano. A hush fell over the room. Petrowski's in the wings and all of a sudden the little boy sits up there and he is on top of the world as he plays chopsticks are lots of fun the entire place is just gasping. The mother is appalled and beside herself. She, she doesn't know what to do. She wants to run up to the platform and then all of a sudden, horror of horrors, Petrowski starts strolling across the platform. The people were just, they, everybody's biting at the breath. What is going on? The master whispers something in the boy's ears. I can tell you what he whispered, but they couldn't hear it. The master said, don't stop, keep playing. And he masterfully wrapped his arms around the little boy and began to add a musical ensemble to the little, simple chopsticks melody. Everybody in the room was mesmerized to the point that eventually and shortly they stood to their feet in great applause. Listen to me as the worship team comes. I like to think of us like this. And I know this sounds kind of trite to say it like this, but I think some of us are playing with life. And we probably aren't playing the best melody possible. We're probably not doing the best things possible. And God is just in the wings watching. And some time and somehow he hears the gasp of all that are watching. But he hears the yearning of a little boy or a little girl's heart that says, I want to do good. I want to be what I'm supposed to be. I know there's more to life than what I am playing. Chopsticks are lots of easy for I know there's more to life than what I'm doing. And somehow or another, they just whisper, help. They may not even whisper Jesus. They may not whisper God. They just whisper, help. And I think the Master strolls out and wraps his arms and lets you get to know him by bringing back words that you've heard in songs 
words that you've heard from a mama's prayer or a daddy's prayer or a church Sunday school or a service or something. Words start coming and all of a sudden the master wraps his arms around you and says, you want me to turn you into the melody of life? Let me play with you. And you can play with me. Oh yeah, there's going to be some structure. But if you'll just take the time to get to know me, your life will never be the same. How do you get to know God? You just cry out, God help. I know where I should be. Oh, I'm not talking about chapter and verse and biblical reality, but you know in your heart of hearts that where you are right now is not where your life should be. Maybe you're a husband and you know that you're not the husband you should be or the wife you should be or the son or daughter or the parent. God is just waiting. Everybody else is gasping. Everybody else is wondering what is happening. And in your heart of hearts, you're crying out and saying, God, I need something to happen. And God is just waiting to wrap his arms around you. You see, he's been where you are. He knows what you've done. He knows what you didn't do. He just wants you to own it. Just own it. The adulterous woman in John 8, she was waiting for somebody to throw a stone because she knew she was wrong. And she's standing before the master or crumbled before the master. She doesn't know what the next thing one by one, her accusers leave. Why? Because as I talked about a couple weeks ago, they knew what they were doing was wrong. But now she's standing before the master himself, waiting for him. Because she knew she was wrong. She wasn't trying to excuse it. She wasn't trying to ignore it. She wasn't trying to deny it. So Jesus asked her, where are your accusers? And she said, Lord... There are none the whole time knowing that he could have been the one rightfully to accuse. But he said, I didn't stoop down here to condemn you. I stooped down here to restore you. Go sin no more. He wants to wrap his arms around you and turn your life into a relationship you've only dreamed of. Will you let him? Will you let him today? Will you ask Jesus to come into your heart to become your Lord and Savior? Now I say that, folks, everybody wants him to be a Savior. All of us that have a lick of sense want to miss hell we want a savior but too many times it's, it's like buying fire insurance we want fire insurance for the fire but you got to keep up the premiums 
to have the insurance when the fire comes. You got to live the life, which means he has to become Lord of your life. You got to let him start calling the shots. Oh, he knows you're going to still be messed up. He, he knows you're going to still be playing chopsticks, but that's okay. He said, I'll just come in and wrap my arms around you and we'll play together. And the orchestra and the orchestration will be incredible. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all over watching this morning, don't worry about the mess. He's good at cleaning up messes. He just said, just own it. That's what repenting means. Take responsibility. And then just go and sin no more. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart God. Raise him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart man believes in the righteous. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That is the simplicity of it. And then you begin to walk with him. And you walk with him by getting into his word. Reading his word. Learning his word. I, I, I always tell people, I love to start them off in the book of John. And I used to, I would tell them, go from John to Romans, go from Romans to Acts. John tells you the most about who Jesus is. Romans tells us the most about who you are. And Acts tells us the most about what can happen when you get you and Jesus together. But then I got to take you all the way back to Genesis because you'll never understand the ending if you don't know the beginning. And begin to learn. Get to know the God that we talk about. That he becomes the God you know. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who we are. God, you created us. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You made a decision 2,000 years ago to save us because you chose to die for us. And Lord, this morning, we commit our lives to you. We live our lives from this day forward for you. Help us to be all that you called us to be. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment, so I don't want you to, to step away from your TV. I don't want you to step away from computer, your, your phone, whatever you're doing watching this. I want you to sing and worship with us. But I want to remind you, next Sunday morning, this place is going to be filled with people. It could be you. Come join us. We're going to be doing things a little bit different. Okay, uh, We're going to be uh, bringing up the, the whole social distancing thing. We're going to encourage people to wear a mask, to bring a mask. We're going to encourage all this stuff. You say, well, pastor, are you going to force us? Probably about as much as Jesus can force you to do anything. The reality is all a choice. People say, well, I I don't believe in the mask. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for the other person. Okay? So uh, we're going to encourage you. I'm going to have one. I've got one right here in my pocket. Right there. Okay? And so if I get close to people, I'm going to stick it on. Why? Because I care about you. There's, there's going to be some different things. 
I do not want to call it the new normal because I always thought we were normal. So we'll continue to watch Jesus do what he does best. I encourage you, pray. Come next Sunday morning, 10 o'clock right here. Okay, and and we're going to see God do some great things. I, I pray today, take the time to get to know God. Get in his word and watch him get to know you. Until I see you again, God bless. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.